welcome in to Mining Stock Daily from Beaver Creek and the Precious Metals Summit here in Colorado. Trevor Hall kicking things off at the summit with a corporate interview with Sabina Gold and Silver and CEO President Mr. Bruce McLeod. Bruce, uh, welcome to Colorado, but most importantly, welcome into the Mining Stock Daily podcast. Well, thank you for having us on this morning. Yeah, uh, we are kicking things off. Uh, there was, uh, it's been a, actually a pretty big month for the company here. You have made uh, an official construction decision uh, for the Goose Gold Mine. Now, this is a part of the a larger project there at the Back River Gold District in Nunavut. Um, since we've never had you on the podcast before, and a lot of people maybe are familiar with you and Sabina, but maybe let's just provide a, you know a blanket overview introduction to the company and the project and what you're doing up there none of it great thank you um sabina has uh one um uh primary asset and that is as, as you said the the back river gold district it's a district that's seen expiration since the uh, the, the early mid 1980s um it uh, as as many of these uh, early stage projects go with uh, a number of of, of different owners uh, and and some fractured uh, ownership between the belt, and it was really uh, in in the later years that all of these projects were put together under one umbrella. Uh, Sabina acquired the Back River District in 2009, and at that time the total global resource was about 2.2 million ounces at uh, around six grams. Uh, the initial focus was certainly exploration, and uh, have been able to grow that from. 2.2 million ounces in all categories to today, uh, over 9.2 million ounces over in all categories at over six grams. So one of the things about operating in in remote regions, whether it be in you know uh, uh, Inner Mongolia or or High Andes, is you have to have deposits of size and scale, and that was the primary objective which we've clearly met. And um, you know the other thing is 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 we're not finished with that, in that all of these deposits are still open. We have multiple targets that have the same sort of gold tenure uh, on surface that haven't been drilled. Um, so we believe that uh, uh, the growth is, is, is going to continue at Back River. Uh, the second leg of that was really taking something from uh, a, a, a very uh, sizable resource and, and wrapping economics and permitting around it. And uh, Sabina has really focused on, on that um, and delivered a fully permitted project a number of feasibilities that we've 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 changed to modify um, uh, capital requirements and or uh, continued growth in the project um, to to optimize the way that we're delivering the economics to our shareholders. So uh, all in all, a district-wide scale belt uh, in a very good jurisdiction, fully permitted, and uh, and financed uh, for construction. Uh- Let's. I want to talk to you about this feasibility um, report. The last one that I have that I've seen on the website was published in February of 2021. Was that the latest feasibility update? That is the latest update. Yes. Uh, so, you know, I don't have to tell you that a lot of things have changed in the last year and a half. So, how is the company approaching uh, cost inflations based on that report that was published back in last February? If you look at the financing package that we did uh, this March uh, in uh, in 2022, and again, which is on the heels of that feasibility, uh, we overfinanced um, uh, by a sizable number, and uh, it's really that overfinancing on how we've been able to um, uh, put the uh, uh, the surety that we'll be able to build this project. 
um, uh, without uh, having to come back to the market uh, in a meaningful way. Um, and, and a lot of it is our biggest challenge is our remote location. Mm-hmm. That challenge has turned into a tremendous opportunity in that even though we've only formally made that construction decision today, um, we have now acquired you know, close to 80% of all the uh, hard goods required for building the operation. Those prices are locked in, so the majority of the steel, uh, explosives, uh, the mining fleet, um, uh, mill, mill components, um, and because we rely on an annual sea lift that leaves port in, uh, in, in August uh, of each year, a lot of those orders were put in even before the financing was in place. So even before the feasibility was published, we were putting together uh, those purchase orders. And it's really because of the advanced planning that we've been able to um, stay within that range of kind of 14 to 20 percent uh, over on, on capital items thus far. So you are starting out. You the formal construction decision that was made uh, last week was for Goose, the Goose Gold Mine. Uh, talk us, walk us through Goose, what it is, and why Goose is going to kind of be the the starter for this. You know, as you continue to develop the the, the, the bigger Back River project. You know, as as today as we know it, it is the center of gravity of uh, of resources and reserves within the Back River Belt. I, I have no doubt that with further exploration will change, but you know, based on what we know today, is it's really the Goose Gold Mine is the is is the, is the starter set. Um, there are a number of uh, of pits. There's the Llama, the Echo, the Umwelt, and the Goose Main Pit. So four open pits within about a four kilometer radius of the plant site. Uh, a number of undergrounds. Each one of those uh, has additional underground uh, deposits that extend below the, uh, the, the the mining of the pit, and then a couple of underground-only deposits, being the Voyak and, and Hook, that that we believe that with continued drilling will will bring from the inferred to the measured and indicated category. So you know, a project that's uh, uh, going to deliver well over 300,000 ounces a year, and you know, one of the things that uh, we have been doing is pushing underground exploration. Um, uh, much earlier in underground development, much earlier than it was shown in our in our in our February 2021 or uh, uh, feasibility, and uh, to be able to uh, uh, lever some of those higher grade ounces into our plant earlier in the mine life. So we think there's a tremendous opportunity to increase that production rate far beyond that uh, that mid uh, 300,000 ounce a year that we showed in the feasibility. What is the timeline here to you know get to you know, maybe not necessarily commercial production, but you know, what what does what kind of the the ramp ramp look like for this? Um, so first pour is uh, is uh, first quarter uh, uh, 2025. Okay. So um, you know, we we've got uh, uh, two full years of of construction, full construction next year and the following year, and uh, in January uh, will be uh, will be first pours. Okay, seasonality. Can you build this year round? You are you limited to time and, and seasons, or how does that work? Well, the real limitation is uh, is two things: is the summer sea lift, right, and the winter ice road, um, and the rest of it. You can work around uh, the seasons, but it's not obviously the smartest way to go. The best thing time to pour concrete is uh, is anything but winter. Right. Uh, same with uh, your your uh, your building envelope construction. Uh, once your building envelopes are, are completed, you now can work uh, year-round. And again, mining, uh, whether it be open pit or underground, continues uh, 24-7, 365 days a year, as it has in, in, in many other Nunavut operations for the last 
you know, three or four decades. Uh, in that uh, February 2021 feasibility study, you, you put that life of mine cash cost at $679 an ounce of payable gold. Uh, have you have you changed those changed that at all with these inflationary costs? I mean, how how has that increased, and you know what would you maybe adjust that to present day? Well, we we haven't uh, come out with an update, you know, and part of it is with the gold price that we used in that feasibility, we're still well above that uh, in in terms of what our spot in the future price is. Um, I think that you know our our project lenders, whether it be uh, Orion Mine Finance or Wheaton Precious are more than comfortable with our capital cost and operating cost um, where it sits today. I think I think sometime in the future before, before uh, uh, first production, we'll be updating those. But when we come with that update, I think it'll also show um, some, some real positives in that uh, earlier production from underground, from some of these higher grades that we've been exploring and developing since that feasibility has come out to try and again push that uh, that throughput uh, from a from a gold perspective uh, uh, up uh, up above and you know close to 400,000 ounces a year we believe is possible, um, and part of that is uh, the feasibility envisioned building a 3,000 ton a day plant and expanding it uh, at the end of the second year to 4,000 tons a day. The decision has been made to build it at 4,000 tons a day, um, but we haven't come up with the economics of showing what that extra thousand tons of feed, particularly if it's underground high grade, will do to the economics in the mine plant. So I think, I think where we sit today, I think we're very confident that the economics will, uh, will either stay the same or, or even may get better uh, with that uh, uh, bringing forward of, of some of that uh, early high grade. Bruce, you got a long track record within this industry, building mines, you know, either as, a, as an executive or a board member or, or, or an advisor. You know, what makes Back River, you know, I guess a twofold question, what makes it easier for you to get this done and what makes it most challenging for you to get this done? The most challenging part is certainly uh, the, the, the lack of infrastructure on this project when we mm-hmm. started and, uh, and logistics. And, you know, weather is such a small part of it. Um, if you can overcome, or lo- overcome the logistical challenges, you can overcome the weather challenges. You know, northern, northern Ontario, uh, you know, a detour, you know, a great Canadian mine, they get 40 below in the winter, we get the same here. It's really that infrastructure and logistics, uh, you transportation hubs and transportation links. Mm. And we've been doing that uh, now since 2018, 2019 with, uh, with building ports, building winter ice roads. Um, and, uh, and, and bring that in. You know, what I think is very unusual about Sabina compared to many of our peers and, and even some of our, our mid-tier and, and major peers, we're one of the only company that self-performs virtually everything on that site. So the underground development, that is our miners, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the, the civil works uh, procurement, uh, um, transportation uh, 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 and supply chain, those are all our internal people. And really, so, you know, people talk about operational readiness and, mm-hmm. you know, that handover generally from a contractor or consultant to build, to hand it over to the company. Well, you know, we are actually looking after those uh, ourselves. And it's really, you know, the challenge is building the team that has the common vision and, and common characteristics and, and, and trying to develop that culture. So the can-do attitude. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think once you have the right people and the right core in, it becomes, you know, a, a, a self-effective. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, I think I think all those challenges are there. But you know, the supply chain is 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 fragile. 
um, with that being said is um, we've got uh, both of our ships from the east have, uh, have either uh, uh, delivered their goods or the second one just arrived to site. Um, our fuel ship should be uh, uh, departing here in the next two to three days and leaving us full for, for next year. And our first barge from the west is being offloaded today. So a lot of those infrastructure uh, and, and, and supply chain challenges we've been able to successfully overcome at, at this stage. Okay. I, I, I want to go back. and There was... Um there was some interesting piece of news from the deal that you did for um, is the bot deal for the construction for the financing, and it says deal. Uh, it had to go back with the private placement with uh, Zhaojin International Mining, and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that. But I'm just kind of curious what it is about <laughs> about Chinese companies up there in that part of the world that they want to be involved and i just keep on going back also thinking about the deal with tmac back in the day that you know literally wasn't approved and is is that maybe is that a risk for sabina as well i mean and then i also can go back to these geopolitical tensions between the west and the east and i think that's a fair question to ask about you know is is there uh is there a a long-term risk here of um having you know, other international entities involved in Western companies on the mining side? I guess that's more of a general question as well as a sure. specific question for Sabina. Look, it's no secret that uh, Sino-Canadian relations aren't what they used to be. And we do have a Chinese shareholder, and that Chinese shareholder is 9.9%. Uh, um, I think they recognize that given what happened with TMAC, that the likelihood of them ever being able to be approved to actually buy us is 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 low if not extremely remote uh, with that being said is what their motivation is is to make money mm-hmm. they are an extremely aligned shareholder in that they believe that this project is significantly undervalued um, you know, again these are the highest grade undeveloped open pits of size uh, in the world um, yet we're, we keep finding even higher grades underground um, now that I think we have a better handle on some of those 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 uh, subtle structural controls uh, we've been able to, you know, consistently deliver 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 15 gram material. I think, you know, that's what they see in the project, and, and they want to be a part of it and uh, share in the, in the success. You know, they, uh, they, they have no experience in, in obviously operating or, or, or developing a project in the north, mm-hmm. but they have a very similar deposit to, in China that from a mining perspective and other, uh, and other parts that, uh, that they've actually been uh, uh, helpful to Sabina. So I think it's, you know, as, as, as long as they're under 19.9% as a shareholder, um, uh, I think that, uh, um, you know, that there's, there's tremendous alignment. And beyond that, you know, obviously go to Investment Canada, and I don't think Investment Canada would approve such a transaction given today's geopolitical risk. Would you ever see a time where relationships became so bad that even share ownership cross borders would be, you know, frowned upon by Canadian or, you know, or Western governments? You know, I, I just can't see that. Uh, uh, you know, if, if they get to the point that minority positions become an issue, you know, we'd have we'd have those all over the world today with mm-hmm. with with other con- con- countries that have been sanctioned by the U.S. or Canada. You know, I think I think the ripple effect from that would uh, would probably be uh, far more than anybody's bargained for. Well, I appreciate you answering those questions. I just I think that a lot of people are real interested just based on you know what is happening around the world. Uh, but let's talk about, you know, look forward here. What 
what is next for Sabina? Obviously, a lot of work ahead for the next couple of years. But talk to me about news flow this fall into the winter. You know, what can shareholders and people watching this kind of expect to hear from you? Um, you know, I think uh, the, the, the first couple of things that are on, on the cusp is one is trying to lock in uh, another uh, significant portion of our capital cost uh, in terms of a, a, a lump sum contract where, you know, the, we're, we're taking some of that risk and, and passing it on to uh, con- contractor, contractors. Uh, I think the other is, you know, the, the, the culmination and, and, and completion of a successful sea lift that uh, everything that we need uh, for the project uh, for 2023 and, you know, have arriving into the port. Um, continued construction uh, uh, updates, uh, expiration updates is, you know, we are now at the point that uh, we're cutting drill stations for underground uh, expiration of, of the Umwelt deposit. And again, the, the, the highest grade uh, uh, portion and early mine uh, uh, part of the, these deposits. Um, and, uh, and further expiration onto a second uh, front, which is uh, the George property, 50, uh, 50 kilometers away. So I think, you know, considering, you know, uh, the stage of the company that we're in, um, I think w- we've got uh, some significant news flow. And I think, you know, the biggest thing is, is pe- you know, giving people comfort that, uh, you know, capital costs aren't going to have what we've seen in some other projects is, mm-hmm. is, is massive blowouts. Well, if you look at, you know, the two most topical of those projects that have seen their capital costs, you know, more than double, um, we're beyond the point that they were that they guided that uh, capital cost explosion. You know, our, our plant site civils are probably complete. If they're not complete today, they will be in the next several days. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, most of the procurement behind us. You know, civil works are always the, the riskiest part of any mine build. And if we look at, you know, uh, uh, most of those uh, capital blowouts, is, it's been on those early in, uh, uh, civil works. Um, you know, you can't, uh, I, can, I think any good estimator can tell you what it's going to cost to place or erect a ton of steel or a cubic cart of concrete. But it's really hard to say, you know, uh, you know what is it going to cost me uh, uh, to, you know, strip uh, the overburden from an open pit to uh, uh, prepare plant site uh, uh, for, uh, for concrete. You know, underfoot conditions can, can vary and change. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that we did um, to try and prevent uh, that uh, the unknown is, you know, we know we're taking enough risk with our location mm-hmm. that when it comes to geotechnical considerations, that I think we went above and beyond in terms of uh, uh, ensuring that we understood what those underfoot conditions were like before we commenced. Yeah. Along with detailed engineering, is 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 that's you know we're we're we've got we've got most of our forming uh, uh, diagrams, our IFC or issue for construction drawings. Um, you know, uh, most of our steel erection, most of our plant, uh, uh, we're about 95% of the entire plant. So from there, you can take your MTOs or material takeoffs. You understand rather than, you know, uh, you know, estimations for piping, electrical connections, the rest, that those are, are, are down to the, to the, to the, uh, you know, single digits in terms of, uh, uh, how they're, they're, they're estimated. Um, and it's doing a lot of those things up front before that construction decision was made that is going to give a surety that uh, we can deliver a project uh, on time. And, yeah. and you know, it, you know look, I, I can't say on budget because, you know, we overfinanced for a reason. Uh, but as of today, we're comfortable that that overfinancing will get us to uh, where we need to be for the, for the mine that was, uh, that was uh, envisioned in, in the feasibility. 
it's it's obviously mining is a tough business. Building a gold mine or any mine is tough business. And I feel like, you know, in the last year or two, it's been exceptionally tough specifically building a mine and getting up and running in Canada. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of examples out there that we can go through the list. Sure. And we, I don't, we, we don't need to go through the list. But, you know, I've just kind of seen, like, how do you kind of watch the news out of your peers, see those challenges, um, and then kind of go back to Back River? And, and, and what, do you learn, what do you learn to try to mitigate some of those challenges you know you're going to be faced with? Because it is going to be a tough slog. That's a great question, is... You know, uh, you know, a neighbor to the north of us um, uh, had some financial challenges, and you know, we were talking about them earlier. Yeah. Um, and we really sat down and did a post-mortem and said, look, what can we learn from at least the public disclosure of, of what uh, are the issues that they had? And really, the north was never the issues. It wasn't transportation. It wasn't the cold. You know, it, those were things that probably took them longer to get comfortable with mm-hmm. and, and again we've been there we've actually been working in the arctic longer than ignico eagle has as a company as, as corporation of sabina so a lot of those lessons you know we've learned and a lot of the people that we've we've hired recently have certainly a lot of northern experience um but with that post-mortem um we actually went back and looked at our risk register and said you know what should we do differently and there's a number of things that we changed that we added capital to uh the project um, to try and mitigate some of that operating risk. Um, so we do look at peers. We do look at other challenges and, and, and problems and say, look, are we, are we prepared for uh, this if it happens? Or have we uh, gone through the risk registry and found a way to mitigate that or, or eliminate it? Mm-hmm. And I think you, you have to be retrospective and, and you, you can't always think that you've got the perfect plan. You know, you have to keep continually looking back, reviewing that risk register. Um, and again, uh, we've made some adjustments, and that was a, a part of the, the last feasibility that we put out is, you know, we added capital to certain areas that would give us more reliability, reliability certainly in the operating environment that, uh, that we, we live in. Bruce, thanks for your time. It's a pleasure to meet you and finally have you on the podcast. Um, I think a number of people had reached out to me and always recommended to get Bruce McLeod onto the podcast. And I'm sorry it's taken so long to finally make it happen. But I appreciate your time and uh, best of luck uh, uh, the rest of the week here in Beaver Creek. Thank you very much, Trevor. That's Sabina Gold and Silver Corp. They do trade on the TSX with the symbol SBB and on the OTCQX with SGSVF.